0: Andrew Womack Ministries presents this session from the 2014 Karis Bible College campus days. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much. Praise God. Man, I just praise God for this healing school and the tremendous things that are happening. I want to say something real quickly before I share the Word, but... I'm going to be talking today about how that God has already done His part, and it's not up to God whether or not you get healed. The Lord has already done it, and it's up to us to renew our minds and learn how to appropriate and release what God has already done. And that's one of the things about the healing school that thrills me so much is because this isn't built on a personality. I, by design, did not minister in this healing school for a solid year until he was already running because I didn't want people to come expecting me to be the one that produced the healing. And these people, they have grabbed the truth and they have taught, how many is it now? It's 400 and something prayer ministers that they have trained. And these prayer ministers are where all of the miracles are happening. It, and people say, can you, can you teach somebody all of these things? It's already done. God's already done his part. All we've got to do is learn how to receive. And yes, you can teach a person how to receive their healing. It is not up to God whether you get healed. God has already healed every person that's ever going to get healed. It's already a done deal. Now, there's people that will receive healing, but that's because they are learning and renewing their mind and learning how to receive. And so, yes, as as quickly as we can renew our minds we can start seeing great miracles. And that has borne out a thousand times over in this healing school. So I tell you, I am very excited about what God is happening. I mean, what God is doing here. You know, a, a lot of people, the church in the past has been built around gifts and around personalities and certain anointings. And there's a place for that because we do need help and encouragement and stuff. But when that person fails or when they die and are gone. You know, there's a void raised up. And what I believe is happening here at Karis Bible College, God is raising up disciples that just believe that Jesus has already done it and they know how to receive and they know how to share this with other people. And we are seeing it happen by the hundreds, thousands. And I just want to encourage you today that you can receive healing. Today can be your day. I don't care what you've got wrong with you. You can be totally, completely healed today. It is not up to God. It is up to us. And I want to share some things with you that I think will help you to be able to receive. Let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 2 if you have your Bible with you. And Hebrews chapter 2, I think it was, uh, it might have been Lawson Purdue, but anyway, it was today. Somebody was quoting about how that Jesus was made a little lower than the angels. I think that's who it was. And that's quoted from over in the book of Psalms, but it's also quoted here. And I think Lawson made reference to it here in Hebrews chapter two. I'm not gonna read those verses, but let's drop down to verse 14. And in verse 14, it says, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, speaking of Jesus, also likewise took part of the same That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. There is a lot in that passage of scripture. I want to use this just kind of to start and to say some things. But you know, most people don't doubt that God can heal. If they believe in God by the very virtue of the fact that he's God, that means he can do anything. You know, Carly said something up here earlier about she doesn't know how he does this, but I guess that's he's God. See, we just if he's God, God can do anything. All things are possible. That's over on this side. All things are possible to him that believes God can do anything. The problem with people in this room or anybody watching on our live stream, anybody who is seeking this out. The problem isn't that you doubt God can do something. That's not it. We have, uh, as this says right here, it's the devil who had the power of death and we have to be delivered from the fear of bondage. That's what makes us subject to these things. So I just want to point out that God can do anything, but that is, that's not good enough for you to know that. The Bible says in James chapter two, verse 19, you believe that there's one God, you do well. The devils also believe and tremble. You know, if all you do is believe God can do something, you haven't done anything that the devil hasn't done. Matter of fact, I believe that the devil understands and believes in the power of God probably much more than most of us do. He knows God. He knows the power of God. And he is an absolute believer that God can do anything, but he's not cooperating and he's not receiving it. So the very first thing is most of us know that God can do it, but there's reasons why We don't receive it. And as it says right here in verse 15, it's uh, deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You may not call it this, but really the reason that we don't receive our healing is because of a fear that God isn't going to do it. Now there's different fears. Some people have been taught that healing is not for us today. And so they don't even believe and, uh, but see, they, they have a fear. They just don't believe that this kind of stuff happens. All fear is, is faith in the wrong thing. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Some of you may not look at it that way. But you know, if you're fearful that the stock market is gonna crash, what you're doing is believing that the stock market is gonna crash. If you're fearful that you'll never be healed, you are believing that you'll never be healed. All fear is, is faith in the wrong thing or faith in a, in a wrong direction. And it says that we are through fear of death, subject to bondage. And so we have a fear or a faith that, you know, we've been taught that God doesn't heal today. I'm not going to, spec- I'm not going to specifically focus on that, but I'm telling you that if you have any reservations about God healing you, then that is one of the reasons that you haven't seen a healing manifest is because you have a fear of it not working. You've been taught to believe the wrong thing. And then many of us believe that God does heal today, but we have been taught that God also puts sickness and disease on you to teach you something. This is how He breaks you. This is punishment and judgment for what you've done. That also is the wrong thing. And what it does, it makes you fearful. Is God really going to heal me? Because you know yourself and you know that you haven't done everything right. There's not a person in here that does everything right. At Nobody. There's some of us that have renewed ourselves and we're walking with the Lord better than we ever have, but I guarantee you all of us have come short of the glory of God. And if you think that God is put, put this sickness on you because of some punishment to teach you something, or if you think that you're so bad that He won't answer your prayer, well, then that's a fear that He's not going to move and that's what keeps you in bondage. Amen. And I could just go on and on with all of these things. But what I want to focus on is I think that one of the biggest problems that hinders people is that they, they don't understand that God has already provided healing. They are believing that God can heal, but they passively pray and wait on God to do something. And typically, like if they got pain in their body, they're waiting until all the pain's gone before they believe that God's healed them. If they've got a tumor, they're waiting until they can see the tumor gone before they believe that God has done anything. And I understand that because, you know, in the natural realm, most people see only acknowledge this physical realm, just the things that you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. And they think that if God did something, well, then there would be a manifestation, Again, I'm going to try and say a lot of stuff this afternoon, so uh, I'm not going to go into great explanation on this, but man, God moves in the spirit world and there is a period of time in between when God moves and when you see a physical manifestation, depending on whether there's resistance and all kinds of things from the outside, demonic resistance or fear and doubt and things like this on the inside. uh, it could be a quick manifestation like that if there's zero resistance. But if there's resistance, uh, sometimes it takes a period of time. And there's many scriptures that say that. Daniel chapter nine and chapter 10 show that very, very clearly. And there's many other passages. You know, a passage of scripture that was used this morning, morning is Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. That's talking about now and you shall receive. Future tense, have them. And it doesn't matter if it's just a second future tense or a weak future tense. There, you got to believe that you receive. So right now there's a lot of people that, that have fear that nothing has happened because they pray and they don't feel any different. They don't look any different. I've had people come to me before and I pray and man, all of their pain leaves. They have absolutely no problems. And they say, well, I'm going to go to the doctor and find out if I'm healed. And I just want to ask them to bend over and let me kick you right now. But there's people that until they get something to prove it, they just can't believe that God has done it. That is a huge hindrance. And you know what that is? You might not call it this, but that's a fear. And it makes you subject. You fear that nothing is real beyond what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. I'm telling you that... This building, this campus, everything that you're seeing here today existed long before you saw it. Amen? It existed in my heart. God spoke things to me. And it was a reality before it was a reality. God is real and God moves in the spirit realm. And this fear of thinking that, well... You know, I know God can, but has He? I'm going to wait and get the doctor to verify it. I'm going to wait until all the pain is gone. I'm going to wait until all of the problems are gone. You know, this morning we were rejoicing during praise and worship for those of you that are here for campus days. And everybody was just thanking the Lord and so thankful for everything He's done. And I was down there thanking the Lord also. But I thought, you know, anybody can thank the Lord after you got the manifestation. Man, it's faith when you can sit there and the doctor tells you you're gonna die and you go, thank you, Jesus, that by your stripes, I was healed. And I believe it. That's faith. And yet most people wait until they get something and then's when they get excited. You know, when not, not this building because I've used this example so many times, nobody does this anymore. But when we moved into our other building, uh, on the opening day, and we were having a praise service. I was just praising God and I was enjoying it. And everybody else was shouting and running, and a woman came up and she says, Aren't you excited? And I said, Yes, I'm excited. You know, I have to tell people when I'm excited because I'm always the same way. I mean, you can take a picture of me and I'll always be like this. I don't care what's going on. So I said, Yeah, I'm excited. And she said, Well, you aren't acting excited. And I said, You know what? I was excited two years ago when I saw this. And when I used to put tape down on the floor and walk and act like there was a door there and open up the door because I could see the building. That's it. what excites me is walking by faith. And when I see it with my eyes, this isn't that exciting. It's more exciting to see it in your heart than it is to see it on the inside. And I know some of you think, like, man, that's weird. Well, I think you're weird. This is what faith is. Faith is seeing what God's Word says as reality. And yet there's some people that if I can't see it with my eyes, if I can't feel it in my emotions, if I can't feel it with my fingers, then it doesn't exist. I'm telling you, that's fear. You may not call it that. I may not even be calling it by the right thing, but that is what this is talking about. And that's what makes you subject to bondage is because you, you don't believe anything has happened until you can see, taste, hear, smell, or feel it. And somebody's thinking, so yeah, you're just one of these guys that you just live in la-la land and you go around and say things and believe things that you can't see, that you can't prove, and it doesn't matter if it ever comes to pass. No, it does matter. Eventually, if you really get to where you live this way, and if you're walking by faith, faith gives substance to things that are hoped for and evidence. That means proof, tangibility to things that do not exist. I guarantee you, if you really, really, really believe with your heart, you will see manifestation. Things will change, but it may not happen at this exact moment because of a multitude of things. In the 11th chapter of the book of Mark, Jesus spoke to the fig tree and says, you're dead, no man will ever eat fruit of you hereafter forever. And he just walked off. He didn't do a thing. Probably never even thought about it again. And the next day, 24 hours later, his disciples saw it. And when they saw the fig tree dead, then they got excited. Jesus didn't get excited. He had already seen it dead. But when they saw it, then they got excited. And they said, Lord, master, the fig tree that you withered is, I mean, cursed is withered away. And the scripture gives the key. It says it was dried up from the roots. The moment that Jesus spoke, boom, It was done. But it took a while for what was below the ground and non-visible to come into a form that you could see it. And likewise, God has already healed us. We were singing these songs today that, man, if you could just believe the songs that we sang, you'd be healed. It's done. Jesus, by His blood, we've been set free. We've been delivered. Jesus died for you to be well every sickness. Now see, this is more things. Some people say, well, yeah, God can heal, but he only heals the things that we can't handle. You take care of everything that you can on your own. You only use God for the big things. You don't want to bother God with small things. I believe it's just the opposite. If you don't learn how to believe God in a small thing, you won't be able to believe him in a big thing. And some people just wait until cancer knocks on their door and they have never believed God for a headache. They've never believed God for a toothache. They never believed God for a healing of their cold because those things are things you can take a pill for. And you never trust God. You never believe in God. And then cancer comes and all of a sudden, the battle's on and you know what? That's just not the way you're supposed to do it. You need to go to believing God and trusting God and you need to practice. Thank you for those few amens. I'm telling you, Jesus paid for your sickness already. It's already done. And it's not up to Jesus whether or not you get healed. It's up to us whether we can get delivered of this fear, this wrong thinking, wrong believing that God is teaching us something that we aren't worthy, that we don't deserve it. If you understood the power and the authority that God has given each one of us then praise God, we could use that authority and we could command the power of God and see it work. But again, the moment you start stepping out in this, you may not see it work in the next five seconds depending on whether Satan is fighting you, whether you are having some fear, whether you're dealing with some things. And sometimes you have to stand for a little bit of time. But you know what? I can guarantee you that God has done His part. It's just a matter of us believing. Let me share this with you out of Matthew chapter 10. This is where Jesus was speaking to his disciples. And in Matthew chapter 10, verse one, it says, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. There's a number of things in this verse. One of them is that, you know, a lot of sickness is demonic. Now they see this bothers some people and it causes them to fear. <laughs> and if you respond in fear, then that's you're going to be subject to bondage. Satan is real. And he fights us, and many of our physical maladies are demonic. That doesn't mean that you're demon possessed. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means that the devil is the origin of a lot of sickness. A lot of disease. In the Bible, I could go through and name a bunch of things, but just real quickly, uh, blindness was demonic. Jesus cast a spirit out and they were healed. Dumbness, unable to speak was a spirit. Uh, deafness was a spirit. Curvature of the spine was a spirit. And anyway, we could just go on. There were other things that were a spirit. That's not to say that every person who's deaf... Has some kind of a demonic thing. I think that there's some people that, like, say, for instance, I've known people that an explosion went off next to them and it damaged their eardrum and they can't hear. And I believe that there are natural reasons why things can happen, but also sometimes it can be demonic. So, anyway, you just need to recognize that sometimes it's not natural. This is why people go to the doctor and the doctor can't find out what's wrong and yet you got all of these problems. They can't figure it out. It's because it is not physical, it's spiritual. And you're going to have to resist and cast out some kind of a demonic thing. And the Bible says in James 4, 7, Submit yourselves therefore unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The word resist means to actively fight against. you got to get vicious. you got to get violent and say, Satan, I'm not putting up with this. Man, if you were here to hear Lawson this morning, I thought he got a little wound up about this. Amen. It was good. And you got to get that attitude. As long as you can be sick and tired, you will be sick and tired. But when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, you won't be anymore. As long as you can tolerate something, you will. But when you get to a place I've had it and you start resisting, then the devil will flee from you. But most Christians are passive. So he says he gave us power over all unclean spirits to cast them out. And also he gave us power to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. All sickness and all disease, the power has been given unto us. It doesn't reside with God. And I know some people may misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we have more power than God. I'm not saying that this is some or another my virtue and my power. It's God's power, but it's in me. And unless I start using it and stand up and resist things, the sickness will not leave. And the number one thing that I deal with in the people that I pray for is just passiveness. They believe God can do it and they are begging and pleading and asking God to do it, but they don't believe that they have any power at all. Matter of fact, many times people will come to me and they start by telling me how hopeless it is, how bad it is, how much they're hurting. And basically, they might not use this terminology, but they're telling me how pitiful it is so I'll have compassion on them and move. And I know some of you, oh, there are some really pitiful situations. That's because you're only looking in the natural realm. In the natural realm, you might be terminal, In the natural realm, you may have some severe problems, but I'm telling you, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You have been given all power and all authority, and you have dominion over all sickness and over all disease. So when you come to me saying, I can't do anything, the doctor sent me home, I'm ready to die, would you please do something? Would you agree with me? If I agree with you, you're gonna die. Because you're saying that you don't have any power. You're saying this sickness is bigger than you and that's the reason that you've got the problem. You need to understand who you are and this power and authority that was given unto you. He gave you power over all sickness, over all disease. There is nothing, nothing with a capital N, nothing that, that is superior to the force that's on the inside of you. But the problem is through fear, Wrong teaching. We believe, Lord, I'm only human. I'm just a man. This is cancer. And oh God, I'm, you know, I'm 60. I'm, I'll be turning 65 the next month. God, I'm 65. And after, when you're 65, you've got to start being decrepit. You got to start having problems. You got to. And if you believe that stuff, you will be subject to that death through fear. And Satan is the one who had the power of death, not God. Jesus destroyed him, but it was Satan that brought sickness. God didn't start this sickness stuff. Satan's the one that did this. And you become subject to it by believing these wrong things and by being passive. You've got to understand that you're the one with power and authority. So I can have compassion on you. I do have compassion and love for people who are hurting. It's not that I am not compassionate, but I don't pity you. I don't pity a person who's dying because the truth is God has given you power and you aren't using it. And it may be totally through ignorance. You may be the nicest person. You may mean well. You may be a very godly person and good, but I guarantee you, if you're dying, it's not because God's letting you die. It's because through fear of death, you have been subject to bondage and you haven't renewed your mind. So I can have compassion and try and share the truth with you, but I'm telling you, God is not the one who's not doing something. So right after he lists the disciples names right here and I'm going to skip down to verse five and it says, these 12, Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go preach saying, here's what we're supposed to say. We're supposed to say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is old English terminology, and I could spend more time on this, but basically it just is, it's saying the kingdom of heaven is here. In other words, don't say that you're going to do this. God is going to move. God is going to do something. You know, most of the religious church today will stand and prophesy, and there's coming a great day. We are praying for a revival. Oh, God, send your spirit. We believe God is going to do something. To the vast majority of the body of Christ, God is the great I'm going to be. But he said, I am that I am. And uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse six says, without faith, it's impossible to uh, please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, not was, or not going to be, but he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I'm telling you, the people who really know their God and the people who are walking with God and seeing the power of God manifest are not people who's talking about what happened back in the good old days or what is going to happen in the next move of God, but it's people who are living in the now that God has already done it. And this is the message that we're supposed to be preaching is that not God can heal you. God used to heal people. Let's pray and go back to the old ways. But man, we need to be proclaiming that Jesus is alive in this building in our hearts today to heal the sick, to open up blind eyes, deaf ears, to raise people, to do whatever needs to be done, He's here today. The kingdom is at hand, the kingdom's now. This is just as much the power of God, the day of God as it was when Jesus was walking on this earth. He's walking on this earth now through us and He is here today to set you free. There is no reason you have to leave this room sick. Jesus is here today. And I'm proclaiming to you that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here. It's time. God wants you well today. And then in the next verse, it says, heal the sick. It did not say pray for the sick. It said heal them. Most people don't even think about this. They just skim over this. But there's a huge difference in praying for the sick and saying, oh God, we know you can do all things. We're nothing. We have nothing. We can do nothing. But if you can do anything, would you stretch forth your hand? Basically, that's the way that the sick are being prayed for. That's not going to get anybody healed. It told us to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to raise the dead, to cast out devils, freely we receive, freely give. And when I say this, you know what happens to the average person? Fear. Fear of failure. Oh no, you know, it's an easy, it's simple. It's simple to say, oh God, stretch forth your hand. If it be your will, for Jesus' sake, heal this person. Any person can pray that. And if nothing happens, well, God works in mysterious ways. You never know what God's going to do. And if they get healed, thank you, Jesus. But anybody can pray a prayer like that. The scriptures do not tell us to pray for the sick. There's examples of it. Hebrews, or excuse me, James chapter five, verse 14. If anybody's sick, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint him with oil, praying over him in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will save the sick. So it talks about that if you're sick, call for the elders of the church and let them pray for you. But there's not a single command where it tells you to pray for the sick. I'm not saying that praying for the sick is wrong. We're going to pray for the sick here today, but we weren't commanded to pray for the sick. We were commanded to heal the sick. And if you release your faith by speaking a prayer of authority and speaking healing, well, then that's okay. But the church, see, again, they, when you talk about this, immediately fear hits people like, what if it doesn't work? You know what that is? Unbelief, fear, and it puts you subject to death. You've got to believe that God gave you power. And this is the rub that most people do not believe that we have this power. They believe it's out there. And this has given rise to people praying and binding the demons in the heavenly places so that our prayers can get up to God, praying that the Lord will send something, asking, you know, I've been in church services. Praise God for... For uh, Daniel, man, what a blessing he is. And one of the reasons our praise is so good is because we don't beg God to do what He's already done. We thank Him for what He's done. We're talking about all the blood of Jesus that has already forgiven us and washed away and, and how I love Him and how He loves me. We aren't asking Him to love us. We're praising Him for what He's already done. But so many praise and worship leaders, oh, come, oh, come, Lord. And they're begging God, which is unbelief. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, I know that, but I'm begging him to come. Well, it's because you didn't believe what his word said. That usually goes over about like that. (laughs) Most people, well, that's not what I meant. Well, that's exactly what what you said. Lord, go with us as we leave this place and keep your mighty hand on us. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Why would you ask him to go with you if he promised I'll never leave you nor forsake you? Why would you ask him to do what David did when David said, create me a clean heart, O God, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. And people say, well, that's a scripture. That's Psalms chapter 52. What's wrong with that? Jesus hadn't created a clean heart in David. He did come and go upon people. He didn't, he was living on the other side of the cross. We live on this side of the cross, and Jesus has already done his part, said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. And for you to beg God for a clean heart, you should get born again. For you to beg God to go with you and create in you a clean heart and take not your Holy Spirit from you when he says, I'll never leave you. Lo, I'm with you always. It's fear, it's unbelief. And this is why we're subject to bondage in the context of what we're talking about today. This is why we are sick. It's because we don't believe and we're afraid to take this authority. What happens if I speak and nothing happens? What happens if you speak and something does happen? Why are we so negative that we always wonder about what doesn't happen? There's lots of reasons why not every person's healed. I hadn't got time to tell you all of that today, but I'm telling you God's done his part and whatever doesn't happen, it's our part. And most of the time it's because people are not believing that God has already done his part and they're waiting and asking God to do something instead of reaching out and taking what God has already given. He told us to heal the sick. In the third chapter of the book of Acts, you find an instance where Peter and John were walking into the temple at the hour of prayer. And they saw a man who had been lame from his mother's womb. And they said, look on us. And he looked on them expecting to receive something. And they said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee. They didn't say... I don't have anything, I am nothing, I have nothing, but oh, we know somebody who can heal you. Let's pray and ask Jesus to come and lay his mighty hand upon you. See, that's the way it's done today. But they said, "Such as I have, I give unto you. I give it unto you. Most I'd never say that. That's the reason you don't see. The lame walked away that Peter and John did. See, he knew it was God's power. He wasn't proclaiming that it was his power. It was God's power, but it was in him. Yeah. Scripture says in Hebrews, or excuse me, it's uh, John chapter 15. Uh, he says, with, I think it's verse five or six, without me, you can do nothing. And I've heard entire messages that we're nothing without Jesus. You're nothing. You're a zero with the rim knocked off. And you know what? That's true without Jesus. But I'm never without Jesus. If you could just somehow or another take only my carnal, physical, natural part of me, well, I'm nothing. But I'm not just physical. I've got a born again spirit. I have the power of God living on the inside of me. If you're born again, God Almighty lives on the inside of you, and the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you. And you are not just normal, you aren't just physical you got the supernatural power of God and you need to get this attitude that, hey, such as I have, I'll give it unto you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And you reach down and grab him by the hand and lift him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength and he went walking and leaping and praising God. Peter never prayed a prayer. He never did say, oh God, heal this person. He said, such as I have. And then he just reached down and grabbed him up. You know, he'd have been kicked out of 99% of all of our churches today for doing that. People would criticize him. Who do you think you are? You know, this friend of mine, he went to uh, Africa. I forget which nation it was, but this was 20, 30 years ago. And he went to Africa and he held a meeting and he started praying for the sick. And he saw blind eyes open, deaf ears open, people come out of wheelchairs And it was powerful. And the next day he was walking through the marketplace and people recognized him. And they came up and they started yelling and going, oh, and they wanted to touch him. And you know what his first reaction was? He says, no, it's not me. No, no, it's not me. It's Jesus. Don't look to me. And see, that's exactly what 99% of all Christians would do. But before he could respond, the Lord spoke to him and he said, Dave, He says, what would you think if when I rode into Jerusalem on that little donkey and they started proclaiming and saying, glory to God in the highest, Hosanna. And they put their robes in the way. What would you have thought if that donkey would have said, it's not me, it's not me. (laughs) He said, nobody was praising that donkey. They were praising the one that the donkey was carrying. And he said, these people don't think it's you. They see God in you. They're wanting to touch God in you. And he said he just started walking like this and letting anybody it wanted to touch him. I know this is different than most people think. And that's the reason most people are subject to bondage all of their life is because of a fear. They they don't know who they are. They don't know what they have. They think that I can't do this. Oh God, I'm begging you. And they come pitiful thinking that somehow or another they're going to get God as pitiful as they are. That he's gonna be overwhelmed with their problem. You know, when the disciples were in the boat and they were sinking, Jesus came walking on top of the very thing that was drowning them. They were in the midst of a storm and Jesus just came by. And it says he made as though he would have walked by them. Mark chapter 6. The very thing that was killing them was no problem to Jesus. He just came walking on top of the water. And it's kinda like he waved at them. And if they hadn't said something, he'd have just kept on walking. Most of us, we would, oh, I'm coming. And we would have just, you know, been sounding the trumpet. Here comes the Calvary. Hold on, I'm coming and stuff. We would have been so worried about everything. Jesus is just cool. He's walking on top of the very thing that's killing them. Jesus is not upset about your cancer, about whatever your problem is. It's no big deal to Jesus. He's already defeated it. It's a done deal. And he put the power on the inside of you to raise the dead to open up blind eyes, to heal cancer, to heal anything. There is not a problem with God. The problem has been that we have been fearful and just begging God, wondering if He's doing anything and waiting to see and feel whether He's done it. I'm telling you, you got to believe that God has already done it. You're already healed. It's already done. We don't have to ask God to heal anybody. He's already done it. What we need to do is take our authority and command these things to happen. Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And one of the ways you release this power that God has given us is with your mouth. And instead of telling people, oh, I'm dying. I've only got a month to live. The doctor says, I've still got this. And instead of using your words to release death, you use your words to release life. And you say, I was healed by the stripes of Jesus. And there's a balance here because some people hear things like this. And so they start going out and saying, I'm healed in the name of Jesus. But they're saying it, hoping that by saying it, they can make Jesus heal them. That's still fear and unbelief. If you think that you confessing it makes God do something, then you aren't in faith yet. But what you have got to do is believe what I've been talking about and believe that He's done His part, and then you say, by His stripes I was healed, not to get Him to do something, but because you believe He really did it. And you start using your words to release this life. And and there's just so many things that we could talk about. This is just really quick today, but I'm telling you that God has already done His part. He's already healed you. And it's a matter of you reaching out and taking it. You know, when I was a kid, I went to a vacation Bible school and uh, they, this guy was talking and he held up a $1 bill. You know, I did this one time and held up a $1 bill and none of the kids would even come get it because a dollar nowadays is not worth walking up the aisle for. But when I was a kid, a dollar was a big deal. And this guy held a dollar bill up like this and said, I'll give this to the first kid that comes up here and takes it. And instantly there was 20 or 30 kids around him just saying, I want it, I want it. And normally my parents and I, we would sit on the front row down here. We were like a skunk. We had our own pew at church. <laughs> but they marched us in according to our classes and they set me on the back row. There was about 600 people in this church and I was sitting on the back row and I thought of all times to be on the back row, this was the worst time. But this guy just ignored all of these kids and he kept his arm up in the air and he said, I'll give this dollar bill to the first kid that comes up here and takes it. And everybody's wondering, what's he talking about? All of these kids want it. And he just kept repeating it and kept repeating. And finally, it hit my lightning fast mind what this guy was saying. And I got out of my seat. I ran down the aisle. I pushed my way through those other kids and he had his hand up in the air. His arm up in the air like this and I grabbed his arm and pulled myself up his side and I grabbed that dollar bill And as soon as I grabbed it he says now that is the first kid that came up here and took it He said all of you wanted it, but I said I'd give it to the first one who took it Did you know God has provided healing, but you have to take it You have to believe that he gave you this power and authority and some people say well that was to the disciples 2000 years ago well, the same things that he gave them, he didn't give it to them because they were apostles. Matter of fact, I've already used that verse over in Acts chapter 3, but where Peter and John healed this man who had been lame from his mother's womb, the people came running together and he said, Man and brethren, why do you look on us as though we by our own power, our holiness had made this man to walk? But it's the name of Jesus and faith in his name, the faith that this man had in his name that produced this healing. They said it wasn't us. It wasn't because they were apostles. He said it was faith in the name of Jesus. We've still got the name of Jesus and we've still got faith in the name of Jesus. And we can do everything that Peter and these guys did through faith in the name of Jesus. It didn't pass away 2,000 years ago. God has given us this power, but you've got to reach out and take it. We've got to get aggressive. You've got to believe that you're healed. You know, if I was in your spot... And if I was sick, right about now, I'd be saying, I got it. Hey man, I'd be saying, I'm taking it. But you're still sitting there listening. (laughs) Man, your response ought to be, if these things are true, which they are, well then in the name of Jesus, I'm healed. And from this time on, I am not gonna sit here and beg God for something that I've already got. I'm gonna start commanding my body. I am gonna make myself act like I'm healed. I'm gonna resist this sickness. You know, I was, when we were first getting started in ministry, I was painting houses to try and make some money. And I mean, we were desperate and needed the money. And I was on this house. It was a two-story house and the ladder wasn't long enough. And I actually had to tie a rope onto the uh, gable of this house. And I was swinging there (laughs) painting, (laughs) trying to get this thing painted. And I don't know what it was, the paint or the swinging or something, but I was sick. And by the time I got home for lunch, man, I was ready to throw up. And I didn't feel good. And I was laying down on the couch. And that was the day that we were supposed to be through and get our money. And we needed that money. And I told Jamie, I said, I don't think I can go back. I can't finish the job. And she says, you will go back. <laughs> she says, you will finish this job. And I said, but I feel so bad. And I just let me lay down. She says, you aren't laying down. You're going to act like you're well and I didn't feel good. And so anyway, she put my arm around her neck and we went jumping and hopping and dancing through the, actually, Jamie went jumping and hopping and she was dragging me and I was just, but she says, we're gonna do this until you get with it. And so I started acting like I was well. And then I started praising God. And you know, within just a few minutes, I was totally well. And I went back and finished the job. I couldn't tell you how many times I have got up and acted and done something when I didn't feel like do it because your body is one of your greatest weapons. Satan can't do anything to you without your consent and cooperation. And when you quit cooperating with him and laying in bed and just staying there and not moving because, oh, I hurt. Man, if you hurt, do what hurts. Move. If you got something that hurts, punch it. And I know some of you think I'd never do that. That's the reason you're subject to vanity. That's the reason that you're having these problems. I'm telling you, you need to resist the devil. You need to fight. You need to do something. You need to act like God, it's done. I believe you've done it. I believe it's a done deal. I'm not begging you. I'm believing you for what you have already done. And when you get that attitude, I'm telling you what, it just releases the power of God. It may take a brief period of time, but it will release the power of God. And you've got to maintain this attitude. And I'm telling you, it's not easy to maintain it in our world because even the religious people, I'd be persecuted severely if we had, like for instance, all of the churches in the Woodland Park area right here, if they were all sitting here, I guarantee there'd be a lot of people upset with me. You know, I talked to Oral Roberts not long before he died, just a few months before he died. And the thing that I asked him to pray with me about, I said, I'd like to see more manifestation of healing. And I asked him to lay hands on Jamie and me and he says, I can't do it. I said, why not? He says, because you're a pastor. He says, if you're a pastor, you can't see great healings. And when he said that, uh, a lot of people wouldn't understand, but I knew exactly what he was talking about. And I said, I'm not a pastor. I have a traveling minister. I do radio and television and I travel. And he said, oh, well, then I can pray for you and it'll work for you. But you know what he was talking about? That when you are with a group of people and you're stationary, you're going to pray for somebody and you won't see a manifestation. Now, there's reasons for that. But again, it's not because God didn't heal. It's because of multiple things. But you won't see every person heal. And rather then deal with that. Most people can't handle that. And the way they respond is to say, well, it's not God's will to heal every person. It's not God's will to heal every time. Uh, Maybe God put this on you. God works in mysterious ways and we come up with all kinds of religious doctrines. And people who have to deal with something like that just usually will not preach what I'm preaching Because you are going to have some things that you'll see with your eyes or feel in your body that don't seem to go along with it. And most people will let the Word of God be second place to what they feel and what they see. But the Bible says in Romans 3, 4, let God be true and every man a liar. You have to get to a place where you believe it. And he was saying that, see, if you're an evangelist, you can come in and love them and leave them, drop the bomb... See some people healed, and then you leave town and you don't have to deal with what didn't work. And so, yeah, if you're an evangelist, you can do it, but if you're a pastor, you can't. That's a terrible indication. I'm telling you, I don't understand everything. I honestly don't. I'm not trying to present it as I've got everything all worked out. But I'm telling you, I've seen a lot of miraculous things, and I have stood in the face of things. I have seen people that I prayed for die. And I've had to deal with it. But you know what? I, I've literally come to a place that if I pray for a person and they die, I'll step over them and say, next. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Some of you think, well, I'd never do that. That's the reason you don't see much happening. <laughs> I was in Ireland ministering in a service, and there was about two, 300 people there. And most of these people were all Catholic by birth not by new birth, by physical birth. And they were just religious people. And uh, anyway, I preached along these lines how we have authority and how you can make the healing power of God manifest. And there was a guy sitting right on the second row who was deaf and they were interpreting to him the whole time I was doing. So I called him out and I said, let's just demonstrate this. And so I called out this deaf person. And I didn't ask God to heal him. I said, such as I have, give I unto thee. And I prayed for this guy. And then I looked at him and I said, can you hear me? He shook his head, no. So I prayed for him and I prayed for him for 10 or 15 minutes. And I never did see this guy's ears open up. I don't know what happened. I'm not, I hadn't got it all figured out. But you know what? I said, well, next. And the next two people in line were his sister's. And they were twins and they were about 16, 17 years old and they were both born blind, had never seen. And I thought, well, Jesus, if we don't see a manifestation here, this meeting's over. (laughs) But I went ahead and prayed for these two girls and just spoke the word of God over them and commanded healing to come. And when I got through, they looked at me and they could see both of them. Both of these girls, blind from birth, instantly saw. And their mother was at the back and she was just screaming and waving and carrying on. And I turned them around and I said, let me introduce you the first time you've ever seen your mother. And they went running back there. And you know what, when that happened, the grandmother of the boy who was deaf and the two girls, they had 12 kids and grandkids there. She marched every one of them down front. And she says, we're all getting saved. And I don't know if they all did. It depends on what they believe, but that grandma said they were all getting saved and they all prayed with me. And I tell you what, the meeting was on. We saw a lot of things happen. And I'm telling you, I don't understand everything, but I do understand this, that by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. If we were healed, then we are healed. And it's not something you have to ask for and just wait on. It's something you can reach out and take but you're going to have to believe and you're going to have to get aggressive and you're going to have to start doing something that you don't feel like doing. Amen. And I'm telling you, we aren't waiting on God to heal. God's waiting on somebody to believe Him and to start doing something. I was listening to Ride Heart Bakke one time on television. And he was making a statement. He's seen, I don't even know, but millions of people saved and certainly thousands or hundreds of thousands of people healed. And he said that he has these mass crusades with sometimes a million people in the crusades. And he says overseas, he never finishes a message. But what somebody starts listening to the things that I'm saying and they say, that's it. I'm taking mine and they just reach out and they get healed and miracles start happening. He says, I've never finished a message overseas because miracles just break out as people start hearing the truth. He says in America, I've never been interrupted. You ready to receive yours brother? Father, we agree with Philip in the name of Jesus and whatever is wrong with Philip in the name of Jesus, we just reach out and we release this supernatural power of God right now. Father, I loose this anointing to flow through Philip and we command sickness and disease to get out of his body right now in Jesus name. You have any pain? Did you have pain before? My eyes. Your eyes in the name of Jesus, we command these eyes to open up. Father, whatever from head to toe, we release the power of God and we believe it's ours. Thank you, Jesus. Satan, we break your power and dominion and you're gone. If you've got any involvement in this, we cancel it and command you to be gone now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's have our prayer ministers come up here and start helping us with people. You ready to receive? I wore these glasses, it's 95, but I don't wanna wear them no more. In the name of Jesus, we speak healing to these eyes right now. In Jesus name. Let's have our prayer ministers come I'm up here and right s- there's going to be more people than Perfect what I can asset. minister to. In the Jesus. name of Jesus, start praying Thank with her. Hey, Don, over here in the wheelchair, you need to get up and walk, brother. You've been healed. I believe that your pain is gone out of you. Get up and start acting on it. In the name of Jesus. Father, we just agree. Let's have all of these prayer ministers come up here. I'm going to call things out by the gifts of the spirit. But you don't have to have me pray for you. It's Jesus healing you, and I want you to come forward as an act of your faith and speak, and we're going to see healings come to pass. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people like you who make this ministry possible. We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. We maintain a website at awmi.net Our helpline number is 719-635-1111, or you can write us at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80934. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.